You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. Hello, and welcome to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet coming to you from Greeley, Colorado, April 12th, 2021. This is episode 31 of season three, episode 96 of the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. I've got a story for you, and this story is all about the latter part of last week coming into Saturday morning, and really events of the whole time that we've been here in this neighborhood, actually, for a year and a half since September 2019. We've enjoyed, my family and I, the fact that this is a quiet street. Our children can ride their bikes. We actually ended up buying all new bikes once we moved here because we had given away all of our bikes before we moved. We didn't have room to fit a whole lot of hand-me-down bikes that we had received or picked up for free or what have you. We didn't have room when we moved here to go bringing those, to throw those in with the rest of the U-Haul goods. We had to be selective. There were a lot of things we had to give away because we just couldn't afford and didn't have the time for having a whole lot of extra. The bikes that we had in Montana weren't in that great a condition. They were hand-me-downs, like I say. And so it wasn't really a big, huge loss. And the promise that I made to my children when we moved was that I would get them new bikes once we got here, once we got settled in. That would be the thank you from me to them for their helping in us getting moved, helping to get the house in Montana cleaned up, everything packed everything loaded and then unloaded here and then unpacked and cleaned up here. And this they did. And I kept my promise. I bought them bikes. And for the first while, it was picturesque that they were able to ride their bikes up and down the street. There was a, I think, rather nice park a couple of blocks over, Coyote Run Park here in Greeley. And my kids were going over there, playing, hanging out. But then we started getting reports back from some of the language, some of the behavior that my kids were encountering from other kids at the park. We felt uncomfortable. And like maybe we can't let our kids go over to the park. I won't repeat the language that the kids over there were using. But suffice to say, it's not the kind of language that would make it even into most PG-13 movies. A lot of uh, R-rated language and uh, a lot of just the most vile, disrespectful, gross, perverted, abusive language that I've ever encountered as an adult working in the oil field for nine years. My kids were hearing... And this bothered my kids. In fact, one of my boys even broke into tears coming back from the park. He was just so frustrated because my boys are not allowed to talk that way. And they tried to encourage the kids at the park to not talk that way. And next thing you know, my boys 
are getting cursed at instead of just cursed around. They're getting cursed at and cursed out. And these kids at the park are abusing my children verbally. My boys didn't much like being verbally abused. And so they might have talked back and snapped back at the boys and the girls at the park because it wasn't just young boys. It was also young girls, junior high, high school, younger than junior high, middle school kids. And in one instance, which I had to intervene in, two of my boys came back in a rage, crying at the injustice of it because one particular boy had started whipping them with his belt. They came back. There was a lot going on. We had gone through some really tough times in that first year that we lived here in Greeley. I was going through a tough time with work, trying to get adjusted, trying to deal with expectations that people had of me trying to get settled into a new place, trying to recover financially from the strain of years of medical bills and moving expenses and disruptions, stress. And I ended up going over to the park, finding this young man, having a very direct conversation with him, letting him know he's not going to treat my boys that way. I had a chat with all of the kids at the park, actually. sat them all down. Didn't mean to sit the ball down. I meant to confront the one boy in particular who was out of control. And then before I know it, all the kids at the park are coming to sit under this pavilion. And I told them at the time, I said, that my boys are not perfect either. If you see them doing something they shouldn't be doing. You hear them saying something they shouldn't be saying. You come let my wife know. You come let me know this is where we live. But you don't treat my kids this way. You don't curse at them. I'm not your parent. I can't control what you say and what you don't say, but you don't curse at my kids. You don't whip them with your belt. That's not all right. If it keeps up, I'm going to have to talk to your parents. That settled things for a while, and then... Within a few weeks, it was another group of kids. Same attitude, same mindset, same problems. Finally, I just told my boys, you can't play over at the park. And then it ended up that there were three kids whose grandparents lived nearby. Their parents were getting a divorce or were separated or something. Something was in hiatus. And these three kids are in the neighborhood, and they struck up conversation with my kids. And it it seemed like when these kids were hanging out with my kids, maybe, just maybe, they were doing okay. But then I started hearing a little bit of the same sorts of problems. They're using this phrase. They're using this language. They're acting this way to each other. These other kids from the park come around, and then all of a sudden, these three kids that we were hanging out with, that we are allowed to hang out with, start acting very differently, and we tell them we can't act that way, and if they keep acting that way, we're going to have to go home. They tell us that our parents aren't around, and so we can talk however we want. They try to get us to talk that way. They try to get us to act that way, and I started noticing a big shift in 
the attitudes of a couple of my kids. One of my kids who has been picked on through the years, he's a little bit different, and that's all right, but that wasn't always embraced or responded to well by people we knew in eastern Montana. He started getting really defiant, really unresponsive, mocking, disrespectful. Another one of my boys who loves to be personable, loves for people to like him, all of a sudden starts having anxiety issues and starts, I think, trying too hard and in too much danger of falling under the spell of kids that he's around that have a bad attitude, that are using language they shouldn't be. And he feels conflicted because he's a tender-hearted kid. He doesn't want to act that way, but he also wants to be liked, but he also doesn't want to disappoint us, but he also doesn't want to disappoint these kids. And so I, at a certain point, relieved my kids of the dilemma after telling them to let these kids know you can't be talking this way, you can't be acting this way, you can't be trying to get my family to sneak off and misbehave. You're either going to knock that off or my kids aren't going to be able to hang out with you. They're not going to be able to ride bikes with you. You're not going to be able to get together. That's not okay. It kept happening. I kept hearing reports. Finally, I said, that's it. No more. No more. I told my boys, you let them know, those kids know, the next time they come around, that you can't play. That's it. We warned them. We told them. These are the consequences. We're not their parents. We're not responsible for what they say and do. We tried to have a good influence on them, but at the end of the day, I take my responsibility as a father of my children seriously, and I'm going to insulate them from that sort of an attitude, so that sort of a behavior, that sort of a manner of speaking and relating to people. You can't be calling people anatomical parts left and right. You can't be describing sex acts in coarse, vulgar terms. You can't be sneaking around and sneaking off. That's not okay. I'd love it if my kids could be an influence on you, but since you are so damn determined to be influenced by the bad kids at the park whose parents don't care at all about them, since you've decided to be influenced by those kids, that's it. My kids delivered the news. Next thing you know, within the week, I've got four kids, so the three siblings plus one other up the street, showing up at my house. While I'm at work, my wife gives me a call. Hey, I've got so-and-so, 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 and so-and-so out front of the house saying that Daniel stole the one kid's bike. This kid gave his bike, his second bike, because he got a new one, to that kid. That kid likes Daniel and already had a bike and so he gave the bike to Daniel. Now they're showing up. They want the bike back. What do I do? I don't know what to do. Daniel's taking it really, really hard. Our boys are in a shouting match with him now, yelling back and forth. I don't know what to do here. I give them the bike back. Whether they gifted it or not, if it's their bike, give it back. Problem solved. 
And I knew immediately, right away, this is payback. This is, I'll show you. You want to stop playing with me. You want to tell me there are boundaries. You want to tell me there's certain behavior that I can't engage in. I'm going to punish you. I'll show you. I'm going to come. And not only am I going to take this thing back to punish you, to get back at you for trying to establish boundaries with me, I'm going to rub salt in the wound by falsely accusing the most tender-hearted of your four older boys of stealing the bike. My older boys knew what was up. The kid up the street knew what was up. The kid who had given the bike to Daniel knew what was up. So did the kid making the accusation. We gave the bike back. Daniel was upset. I had to have extended sessions for a couple of days, several days, talking my kids through it. Hey, I'm sorry, right? It's not okay the way that you were just treated. This is what's going on. I know you're confused right now. This is all because I told you you couldn't hang out with them anymore. You're going to have people that are acting this way for the rest of your life who want to jerk your chain, who want to tell you you think you can establish boundaries with me. I'll show you. I'll teach you. I'll fix you really good so you never think you can establish boundaries with me again. You can't let those kinds of people rule your life. You can't let those kinds of people push you around because those kinds of people get to be that way because other people let them push them around, let them run their lives. They let that manipulative way of dealing work. And when it works, it's a reward. It's Pavlov's dog. It's I'm going to ring a bell every time I feed you And then at a certain point, I take away the food and I ring the bell and you salivate because you've been conditioned now to do what I want you to do. When I say jump, you say how high. Never mind that I have no right to expect the kind of submission from you that I'm now demanding. Never mind that I'm completely out of line. There are no rules except I get what I want. That's the only rule. Clear? Capiche? Fast forward to the past couple of weeks. I've got two weeks ago, my boys riding out front of the house, hanging out in the front yard, swinging on the swing they hung up in the tree, playing with practice swords, running, just hanging out, enjoying the day. Out front of the house, not over at the park, not over at somebody else's house, out front of our house. Solomon's in the street because it's a quiet street. I tell them not to play in the street, but he's in the street, and so is everybody. He's riding on the scooter, and I get a text from my wife. I just had the boys run in, and they said that somebody ran over Solomon. And I panicked, and I go out, and I find out, no, actually, he didn't get hit by a car. He got run into by one of the kids in the neighborhood who was on his bike, who was riding with five or six of his buddies up and down our street. Our boys are indignant. They're all worked up about it now. Solomon was in the middle of the street. He wasn't hidden. They clearly saw him. This boy ran into him with his bike on purpose and then told Solomon to watch where he was going. 
And our older boys who were out front saw it, and Josiah yelled back, Why don't you watch where you're going? Oh, why don't you watch where you're going, says the boy back to Josiah. Josiah says, I know where I'm going. Don't run into my brother. So then my boys are all worked up. Had to have a conversation with my boys. Don't ride in the street. I've told you guys before, don't ride in the street. Whether it's a car, some other kid on a bike, that's not okay what that boy did. You get any more behavior like that, I need to know about it ASAP. But Solomon's okay. He's not hurt. It was more of a disrespect thing. We're going to turn the other cheek. Haven't had any complaints like this about this particular boy. But now this particular boy is hanging out with the kids that six months ago or so, nine months ago, I told my boys, you can't hang out with them anymore. So now this boy's hanging out with those boys and he's acting this way. And maybe that's not a coincidence. I don't think it's a coincidence. Fast forward to late last week, Thursday, come home from work. My boys tell me that the boy who accused Daniel of stealing his bike, who I said, you're not allowed to hang out with him anymore, play with him six months ago, nine months ago. He's hanging out with this other boy who ran into Solomon. They're riding in front of the house. Eli's got his bike parked on the sidewalk out front of our house. These boys are riding in the street. The boy that ran into Solomon riding in front of our house rides up to the bike that's parked on the sidewalk, kicks it over. My boys see this. Hey, what are you doing? Why are you knocking over my bike? Oh, the wind did it. Ha 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 ha. Rides off. Uh, no, the wind didn't do it. You did it. Don't do that. You don't get to do that. Who do you think you are? Punk kid? My boys tell me about it. I say, hey, well, that's not okay. Is the bike damaged? No, it's fine. But of course, it's not about the bike being damaged. It's the principle of the thing. It's the principle of don't touch my stuff. That's my private property. 20 years from now, that's my motorcycle. You kick it over. That's not okay. So then it's not okay when you're 12 and it's my son's bicycle. It's the principle of the thing. You don't disrespect people that way. You don't disrespect their stuff. You don't disrespect their persons. You don't disrespect their property. That's not okay. Well, then the next day, Friday, my wife texts me. I'm on my way home. I just watched this other boy right in front of our house. The bike was parked on the sidewalk. He rides up, kicks it over. I saw it. So this is my wife now. It's not secondhand from my boys. Not that I don't trust my boys. I do trust my boys. But do other people trust when my boys say this is what happened versus when my wife says this is what happened? I just saw this. Daniel's really upset. He says he feels like we're just letting these kids bully us. (sighs) Now I'm in a pickle because... I'm trying to teach my boys to be self-controlled, to not let other people provoke them, to not let things escalate 
if you can turn away wrath with a soft answer versus a harsh word, do so. If you can turn the other cheek and you can honor God by not rising to every provocation, do so. I call my wife up. Hey, are the boys around? Yep. Okay. Can you get them, gather them around the phone? I'm on my way home, but I want you to gather up the four older boys. Put me on speaker, please. Let me know when you guys are ready. Takes a minute and a half. Everybody's there. Okay, we're ready. I say, okay, boys, can you hear me? Yep, we can hear you. All right. I heard about what's going on yesterday, today with the bikes. This is what I want you to do. I want you four older boys to put on your socks and shoes if you don't have them on right now. I want all four of you to go and find Ruger and Quinn, the two boys who now each have taken turns knocking over your bike. The one boy who ran into Solomon on purpose. The other boy who falsely accused Daniel of stealing his bike. I want you to go find them and I want you to talk with them and tell them very clearly you don't knock over our bikes. And also you don't run into us on your bike. You need to stop. If they want to throw down because you just told them, here are the boundaries, here are the rules, you have my permission to not be pushed around. You're not allowed to start a fight. You have my permission to not be pushed around. They want to throw down. There's four of you. There's two of them. I don't think they're going to want to throw down. You go let them know. Now, some parents listening to this right now will say, whoa, what are you doing? Right? Like, I don't agree with the way that you handled that. Right? I can see you shaking your head. I can see you pursing your lips. I see it. This is what I thought was best. Before God, I'm accountable for my children. That means I'm accountable for my children when I tell them to turn the other cheek and they keep getting walked all over and our stuff is getting damaged. I'm accountable if they go and get into a fight because I told them to go and confront these kids. I didn't tell them to go get in a fight. I didn't say, hey, go beat these kids up. I said, you go and talk with them. You tell them very clearly, this is how it is. Josiah, you're the oldest. You're the spokesperson. The rest of you guys just be there behind them look tough or whatever. (laughs) So, okay, we'll do it. They all get together, go over. Five minutes later, my wife texts me. All right, well, they're shouting at each other. It's across the street, down the street, catty corner. Oh, yep. I call her up. What's going on? Well, I can't see them very well now. They kind of disappeared around the corner, but they were shouting at each other. Hmm, okay, so it's going well then. (laughs) Long story short, my boys came back, and my oldest son got a couple of sentences in before it descended into absolute chaos. Hey, do you know who's been knocking over our bikes? Do you know anything about that? No? Nope. Uh, Yeah, actually, it's you guys. We saw you. Our mom saw you. You need to stop knocking over our bikes. Then these two boys, they curse at my boys, call them all kinds of vulgar things, tell them to shut up. 
My boys tell them to shut up right back. There's some threats from these boys to my boys. My boys are like, well, there's four of us and there's two of you. And we're pretty sure we could take you. <laughs> oh, yeah? Well, we're going to go over to the park. And we're going to get our big friends. And we're going to come back and beat you up. Okay. So then my boys come home. They tell my wife. They're all worked up. My wife's obviously uncomfortable with all of this. And to be fair to her, I probably should have told my boys, wait to do anything. Wait to confront them until I'm home. I stressed her out. I'm sorry, Lauren. I was on my way home. I was 20 minutes out still. She says, what do I do if they're going to come back with a whole bunch of kids from the park? I said, are there bikes, longboard, scooters out front of the house? Yeah. Okay. Have the boys gather all that stuff up, put it in the garage, shut the garage door, and tell them they can wait on the front porch and watch. Okay. So that's what they did. Waited on the front porch. And then as my wife is out in front of the house talking with them, they're cleaning it up. She says, oh, there they are. And my boys, oh, there they come. And I'm like, okay, what's going on? Like I'm imagining a, a mob, an angry mob like in the movies coming with torches and pitchforks to uh, burn the witch or something. I don't know. Apparently, as I got more details, it was the two boys in question plus another younger kid. So they weren't able to convince their bigger, older friends at the park that it was so worthwhile to come over and beat my kids up. That wasn't a good sell. I get home. My boys are all amped up. They're now wanting a fight. Oh, dad's home now. Now we can get in a fight. They're all dancing around, and they're just all like, their blood is up. And said, okay, let's sit down on the porch, and let's just chat for a minute here. And so I explained to my boys. I said, here's what's going on. These boys have no boundaries. Their parents are not paying attention. They're jealous of you. They're jealous of the fact that you guys are enthusiastic. Your parents are engaged. We know where you're at. We care about what you're doing. They're jealous and they're frustrated that you can't hang out with them because of the way that they're acting and they're acting out and they're taking it out on you. You just tried to establish boundaries and they were getting their entertainment from walking all over you because they feel weak and vulnerable because they're on their own, because their parents aren't paying attention. They feel totally on their own because they kind of are. And the way that they were making themselves feel more powerful is by trying to take power away from you. By doing things that don't objectively have any value, that don't make any sense, like knocking over your bike, like running into you on the street, designed to make themselves feel more powerful by making you powerless. And because you just stood up to them, now that feeling of being empowered has been taken away from them. They had no right to feel powerful based on bullying you. But because you just took that power back and told them, no, you can't act that way. You can't treat me that way. You can't treat my brother that way. You can't do that on our property. You can't do that with our property. Because you just did that, they panicked. To try and get their power back, they cursed at you because they're trying to put you back in what they hope 
will be your place relative them. The trick here is not to get in a fight with them. It's not to say, I know you are, but what am I? It's not to curse right back. It's not to dance around. There was a threat display in the animal kingdom when two creatures might go at it and fight over territory or a mate or limited resources or some food or whatever. They do the threat display thing. They do this dance where they each try to puff themselves up and look bigger than they really are in hopes that they can avoid a fight by getting the other creature to back down. It's not worth it. Do the cost-benefit. I'm bigger than you are. I'm stronger than you are. I'm meaner than you are. You might want to just back off. The goal is not to get revenge. It's not to humiliate them. It's not to beat them up. The goal is to establish healthy boundaries for their sake as much as for yours because it's not healthy for them to be acting the way that they're acting. And if they keep on like this and there isn't an intervention at some point, it's going to be much worse when the line finally gets drawn hard and fast for them. They're going to have a harder time accepting the imposition of boundaries if it doesn't come sooner rather than later, if it doesn't come now versus when they're in their 20s. Better in their teens or preteens than in their 20s or 30s. So I explained all this to my boys, calmed them down a bit. After an hour of sitting out there on the porch, having a beer, talking with my boys, nobody showed up to beat up my boys. All right, let's go inside. That's enough of this. Asked advice, I did. I asked advice of a friend of mine who's a cop here in Greeley. Hypothetical scenario, here's what's going on. How would you handle it? I'm feeling kind of worked up about it. I don't want to set the wrong example for my boys one way or the other. I don't want to downplay this and minimize it when it's serious. I don't want to blow it out of proportion. If it's just boys being boys, I feel like there needs to be some kind of a response here. How would you handle this? Feedback he got to me was I would teach my kids Krav Maga, (laughs) Israeli military martial arts, and I would go talk with the parents. And if the parents are unresponsive, they don't want to do anything about it, I'd threaten to call the cops, or I would just do it. I would just call the cops, call the police. So I said, yeah, good point. I, I wanted my boys to handle this to the greatest extent possible, right? Because I want, as frustrating as this is, I don't want this to be a defeatist situation wherein my boys look at it and they say, I don't know what to do, right? This isn't going to be the last time they have somebody trying to push their buttons. I don't want them to be forlorn. I don't want them to be lost, babes in the wood. I don't want them to be sitting ducks for this kind of behavior. Or when this happens, they draw a blank. I want them to try to go and confront this, to stand up for themselves and one another in an appropriate way, in a respectable and honorable way. I want them to have courage and confidence. And even if they don't handle this 100% right, I want to give them the feedback and the tools to be able to try it and to learn a lesson here. But once we start talking about we're going to go to the park and bring back our big friends and we're going to beat all four of you boys up, Then it rises to another level, which is how far is this going to go, right? 
Was that a bluff? Maybe. Probably. If this is a bluff, then it's still an inappropriate bluff. It still shouldn't be talking that way. It's still gotten too far out of hand. It's stressed out my Friday evening and Saturday morning. Stressing out my kids. This isn't boom out of the blue. This has been going on for a while. We've been trying to deal with it for a while. And I'm tired of waiting for these kids to get the picture, to get the memo. Their parents are apparently unaware. And I'm tired of being the only parent who's engaged on this, seemingly. So Saturday morning, I tell my boys, I need you to show me where these two boys live. I'm going to go and have a chat with their parents. I think you guys have done all you can. Thank you. But now the parents need to get involved. Their parents need to get a hold of them. They need to be made aware of the way their kids are acting so they can address it, so they can discipline this. I think about it, and then I consider that I don't know the parents of either of these two boys. Don't know them. Don't know what they're like. I have some suspicions, maybe, based on the way the boys are acting, but I don't want to be unfair and assume. It occurs to me, because I'm a writer, I'm going to write a letter to each of these two parents explaining what happened, what I need from them, what we've tried, how to get in touch with me. So I do that. Two pages, a thousand words. Here's the situation. Here's who I am. Here's where we live. Here's my number. Here's my email address. Here's what I need from you. Let me know if you have any questions, if you have any more information. If you find out that my kids are misbehaving, please let me know or my wife know so we can address it, so we can discipline our kids. Because this is not a one-way street. This is a two-way street. But our kids have got to be safe riding their bikes in front of our house, period. I cannot tolerate threats against my kids. And we have other kids at our house. We have guests on the street. We can't have roving bands of bicycle gang youth knocking over our bikes, running into our kids, making threats, cursing, verbally assaulting my kids, running them down, abusing them. Can't have that. That's got to stop. It's not good for your kids. It's not good for my kids. It's not good for anybody. I write these letters. I deposit them with the help of my two oldest boys, Josiah and Eli. I have one of them run up, put it on the front step of the one house. The other one runs up, puts it on the front step of the other house, and we go home. I tell them, now we wait. See what they come back with. I want to give them their initial bad reaction to this news away from me. I don't know them. I show up on their front porch on a Saturday morning. Weather's nice. Whole neighborhood's out. Mowing, walking, sunbathing, airing out the house. I don't want them to have their initial reaction, whether it's fight or it's flight, with me present, with a whole bunch of people who can hear. I'm going to give them a letter. They can read it. They're going to say, what the hell is this? I know. But then they're going to have a chance to think about it. They're going to have a chance to think about it. Whatever they do with that chance is up to them. But they'll have an opportunity to take a deep breath, take a step back, and think about what their responsibility as a parent here is. 
I get a call from the one mother, Ruger's mother, handled it very well. I am so sorry. Thank you for letting me know. We take this very seriously. We are very opposed to bullying. I'm on my way to get my son from baseball. He will be disciplined. He will be owing you an apology and your kids an apology. He will be giving an apology. This is not the way we're raising our kids. We didn't know this was happening. Apparently, we gave him too long of a leash. But thank you. Thank you for letting us know so we can address this. Oh, you're absolutely welcome. And likewise, like if you hear anything about our kids, let's just have each other's backs, right? Parenting is hard. Kids don't always do what they should do. They don't always say what they should say. But thank you so much. Thank you for responding well here. And I really appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Let me know if you need anything else. I get a call from Quinn's mother, and it's like a study in opposites. Entitled, impatient, defensive. My son is saying he's never laid hands on anybody, never threatened to lay hands on anybody, never laid hands on anybody's property. He says that your son actually stole his bike, that this all started with your son stealing his bike. And he says that your boys were yelling at them and calling them names, and it was back and forth. So I think it's probably just on all sides. And, yeah, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know where to go with this. Okay, well, let's unpack a couple of things. First off, my son didn't steal your son's bike. Here's the story on that. And this all started really after I told my boys they weren't allowed to hang out with your kids because of the language issue. Oh, what kind of language? But I'm saying it in a more even-keeled sort of a way than she did. She said it in a very defensive, impatient, huffy way. I said, well, I'm referring to people by anatomical parts, using really vulgar language, describing sex acts. I don't know. I mean, how, how detailed do you want me to get here, right? Bad language, right? Abusive language. And we warned our kids to warn your kids, and it kept on going. I probably should have reached out to you sooner, but I didn't know you. Didn't want to make a bigger fuss about it. I just told my kids, leave them alone. They'll leave you alone. And now your kids are riding out front of my house, on my street, knocking over our bikes. My wife saw your son knock over our bike in front of the house yesterday. Not my boys. My wife saw it. And she stammered and stuttered and didn't know where to go with that because, aha, your son's lying to you. And you might let him get away with it just so you don't have to parent here. Didn't go well. Long story short, I have high hopes for the one situation that the parents take it seriously they aren't, they aren't just trying to throw this back on somebody else's, somebody else's problem because they don't want a parent. They're going to get to the bottom of it, and they're going to discipline their son. The other situation, I don't have time for this. I'm on my way to my pedicure. I'm on my way to get my massage. I'm on my way to get my double mocha latte, frappuccino. You're bothering me. Let's figure out a way to make this your problem. Just like my son, when he was told he couldn't hang out with your kids because of his language issues and his attitude issues, claimed that your son stole his bike as a way of trying to flip the script. Just like that, I'm going to make this into my 
Not my kid's problem. Not my problem. Your problem. Or it's all of our problem, really, right? My kid breaks into your house at some point and steals your TV. I mean, that's really all of our fault, right? It's not just my kid's fault. I mean, it's kind of, you were kind of deserving to be broken into because you didn't have a better lock on your front door. You're kind of deserving to have your TV stolen because, you know, don't be that second kind of parent. Don't be that second kind of person, right? Like it starts small. And I, and I told my boys this too. I said, lest we get to thinking we're so superior and we're so much better than these people, whether they responded or didn't respond when they were confronted with a situation, we're not so much better, right? Like I tell you to sweep the floor, mop the floor. You do a not so great job, just a good enough job to where you think I won't call you back if you sneak off and go play video games again. That's how it starts. I tell you to wash dishes. You wash half the dishes and you leave the other half to quote-unquote soak so you can get back to reading your book, even though this this dish didn't need to soak. You're soaking, supposedly, because you don't want to wash it right now. That's how it starts. You're at odds with your brother over whose turn it is on the Xbox next, and... You did no wrong, and you fudged the truth, and you tell me half the story when you guys get into a conflict, and you want me to intervene on your side. That's how it starts. We need to look to the affairs of our own house and not be thinking we're so much better than everybody else. But along those lines, one of the affairs of our own house is we're going to have to figure out how to establish healthy boundaries with people that don't have anyone establishing boundaries in their life. They don't have anybody telling them, no, no, you can't do that. You can't act that way. That's not right. That's not true. And not only is it not right and it's not true, but you're harming other people selfishly, wickedly by saying this untrue thing, by doing this not good thing by neglecting your responsibilities and instead falsely accusing somebody, abusing somebody, rudely dismissing your need to apologize and to repent here. I'm sorry, this is a longer podcast than I've done for quite a while. I'm pushing an hour, but I'm really worked up about this. It really bothered me. I was so relieved. It gave me just a little bit more faith in humanity when Ruger's mom called me. She handled it so, so well. And I hope she follows through on that. Sounded like a very nice person. I've never met her before, but I absolutely appreciate and admire the way she took ownership for the situation with regards to her children. And I hope she heard me when I said, if you know anything on my kid's side, let me know. Right? I put it in the letter. I told her when I was talking with her on the phone as well. This is not me trying to blame your kid for something my kids did. If you find out my kids have been in the wrong on this, please let us know so we can address that right away with our boys. We take it seriously. We want our kids to be well-behaved. We want them to be good neighbors, good citizens, good young men, and someday good men. And that starts now. It starts here. I can't wait until they're 20 and 30. By then, the habits are already formed. The patterns of behavior, the ways of relating are already deeply ingrained, and they're really hard to change then. By God's grace, they can be, but by God's grace, 
I can change those now by concerted, persistent, focused, principled parental engagement. So that's my job. That's my responsibility. Before God, that's my job. And Quinn's mom, Lord have mercy. I'm so sorry to bother you on a Saturday. So sorry to disrupt your plans. I'm sure you had much better things to do than being a mother to your son because he needs you to be a mother to him right now. I'm so sorry that I bothered your plush lifestyle. Sorry to be a buzzkill, lady. Your kid is cruising for a bruising in life. I'm not threatening him. I'm just stating a fact. This is not good for him. This is not good for his long-term success, health, happiness, if he keeps on like this. So it is what it is. As for me and my house, we're going to try provide things honest in the sight of all men. You might think it's in poor taste that I just told this story, but this is happening as my neighbor two houses down, our neighbor two houses down. Monica used to be a public school teacher, as she pointed out when we talked with her about it. This is happening all over the country. This isn't our neighborhood. This isn't just these two boys. This is all over the country. This is a problem. We have to make up our minds what to do about it, how to address it. How then shall we live? Not as unwise, but as wise. What is one of the things that said about John the Baptist? that He would turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children. Tell me this. Riddle, riddle me this, Batman. Why is it that I got... Two phone calls. I, as a husband, as a father, as a man, wrote a letter and delivered it via my sons, drove over, had them run out, drop it off, two doorsteps regarding two boys who are either just beginning their teenage years or they're just about to. Me, a man, a father, writes that letter, and I get a call from two mothers. What's up with that, dads? Where are you? Why didn't I get a call from the dad? I think you know why. I think we know why. Because that's part of this too, is you have dads that are not engaged. They're not paying attention. They're not taking seriously. I get a letter like that about my boys. Somebody drops, another father drops a letter on our doorstep about my boys. I'm calling that man back. Not my wife. I'm calling that man back. Hi, this is Garrett Mullet. I got your letter. I'd like to ask you some questions. We'll be right over if my boy owes an apology. Thank you for bringing this to my attention. Where are you, dads? Where are you? Man up. Your sons need you for more than just a paycheck. I don't care how many millions of dollars your business is worth. What's your parenting worth? Not a whole lot if you're AWOL, if you can't be bothered. I don't know where you're at, but I know where you should be right now. Show up. Get engaged. Anyway, I got to stop there. Thanks for listening. I just said anyway again, not meaning to dismiss and undermine everything that I just said before. Lauren... I was doing so well. I did so well on the previous episode. I think I didn't say anyways at all. But thanks for listening. If you have any thoughts on this, let me know. 
Any ideas, any advice for how to handle it better? Maybe I didn't handle it well. Let me know. I'd love to hear from you. But until next time, thanks for listening. God bless. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you heard today, visit the homepage for On The Rocks blog at onthe.rocks. Also, check out On The Rocks blog podcast with Micah Hirschberger weekly on Anchor FM. If you haven't yet done so, hit subscribe to this podcast also. And you can reach Garrett Ashley Mullet with any comments, questions, or complaints at garrettmullet at gmail.com. <laughs>